So let's go um, into the word for our message this morning. Brother Chris, last week, uh, really stirred us uh, uh, about reaching people that we may not think about reaching and being led by God to do things. And this is going to be a, a further a furtherance of that. So let's start with John chapter 6 and verse 63. And I, I, I use this scripture, I can use the scripture in every single message I've probably ever delivered in my whole life. And I think it's one of the most important things that Jesus said, which is to say that every single thing he said was equally important, but this is one of them. All right. Jesus speaking says, it is the spirit that gives life. Mm. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Whoa, nothing. I mean, listen, he didn't say the flesh doesn't count nearly as much. He said the flesh profits nothing, but the spirit gives life. And then what does he say? The words I speak to you, they are spirit. They are life. The words I speak to you. We got them. We don't have them all. We got what God wanted us to have. This word, the Bible, is the word of God. They are spirit. They are life. They are not meant to be intellectually discerned. We can study them intellectually, but it's the spirit that brings them to life. Friends, when you have the word of God without the Holy Spirit guiding you, bring another scripture, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit um, will bring to your remembrance all the things that I said and will teach you all truth. Well, you say, well, I can read the Bible and I can get all truth right out of the word. That's right, with the Holy Spirit. When you get the spirit, when you're reading the word and you get the spirit of the word, you got the truth. And you got life. The flesh profits nothing. Mm. I've said this many times over the years. No doubt when I've ministered here as well. Listen, you can have three PhDs in biblical theology and know nothing about God. Unless you have the spirit. The spirit of life. The spirit of truth. So the words that Jesus speaks, they are spirit they are life, guided by the Holy Spirit. Every positive thing I've ever done in my life has been the result of the Holy Spirit. The rest of it, chaff, wheat on the floor, chaff blown away by the wind, and all the great accomplishments. When I was an atheist, I did really neat things, radio and television, assistant to the mayor, all kinds of things that I could look at and say, man, I got that job, oh, look at me, nothing. Nothing. They were nothing. But talking to one person one-on-one who's talking about, and I'm talking about Jesus led by the Spirit, more powerful than anything I ever did on my own. Hallelujah. So, when you get this, the Spirit guides us. And so, let's look at, the Bible's full of these examples, but let's go to Acts chapter 10. Now, the, the title of our message here is the first Gentile. I don't know how many people really care about titles. I don't. But everybody always asks me for them. The first Gentile. Well, this is not about really the first Gentile. But it is 
in a way, about the first Gentile to be witnessed to and brought into the kingdom. And you're saying like, well, wait a minute. Listen, all the disciples were Jewish. All the apostles were Jewish. Jesus was born as a Jew. He came as a Jew to the Jews to fulfill the Jewish prophecies and scriptures. But, and, and, and the first century, Jewishness was what Jesus was all about. He still is. But the Jewish people who followed him saw him as the Jewish Messiah. He still is. And there were no Christians in those days. There were Jews who believed in Jesus and Jews who didn't believe in Jesus. But there were no Christians. This is the story of Cornelius. And I'm calling him the first Gentile, loosely, because of the way that this plays out. So in Acts chapter 10, in verse number 1, We see there was a certain man in Caesarea, also called Caesarea, called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. So what do we know? He was a Gentile. Cornelius was a Gentile. And it says in verse 2, however, even though he was a Gentile, he was a devout man and one who feared God. That meant he believed in El Elyon, the Most High God. He was if you were, if you would, a Jewish proselyte. He believed in what the Jewish people said. Got to remember, at this point, there was no Christianity, there was no church, and if for a Gentile to believe in the Most High God meant that he had accepted that traditional Judaism of 2,000 years ago. Are you with me on that? Because this is a stumbling block for some. There were no Christians 2,000 years ago at this point, at this point in time. And so to believe in the Most High God meant you came into Judaism. And that's what Cornelius had done. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. And in the last line of that verse, it says, and prayed to God always. He prayed to God always. But he's praying to God. The only God that was known at that time was the God of the Hebrews, still the God of the Hebrews, but that was the only one that was known. There was no Christianity per se. All right, this is really important. So here we have a Gentile man who believed as a Jew, and that wasn't that unusual. It wasn't that common either, but that's what we'd call a proselyte. They were brought in. And let's look at verse five. Cornelius sees a vision. Uh, An angel shows up. An angel shows up. He says... Now send, in verse 5, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. What do we know about Peter? He was a Jew. He was one of the apostles, and he was a Jew, and he was a Jew through and through. You know, as, we, as you look at the compendium of Scripture, you see that Paul was called as the apostle to the Gentiles, and Peter was called as the apostle to the Jews. But both of them, Paul and Peter, they were both Jewish. They were both very Jewish. It's the only thing they knew and the only way they worshipped. Now, this is really interesting because the angel shows up and says, I want you to go send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And verse 6 says, this is 10.6 of Acts, Peter is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, He will tell you what you must do. See, I find this very interesting. That the angel shows up and speaks to Cornelius 
And instead of bringing a message directly, as usually happens, now it's not 100%, but usually when an angel shows up in Scripture, the angel tells the person to whom he's speaking a message from God. You follow me? And the angel shows up and says, here you go. All right, so this angel shows up and says, hey, I got a message for you. Go get the message from the other guy. I find that extremely interesting. And I think I know the reason for it, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I want to point out to you that he says, he'll tell, he will tell you what you must do. Here's an angel from God standing in front of Cornelius and saying, this other guy's going to tell you what you must do. I'm an angel from God. I know what you're supposed to do, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Go get it from him. All right. And then the next verse says, and when the angel, and the angel departed. Okay, so the angel departs. Now, uh, meanwhile, Peter is up in Joppa and he's about to have a vision of his own. God arranged this really neatly. Now watch this in verse 11 of Acts chapter 10. In this, uh, Peter falls into a trance and verse 11 says, and he sees heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. It's pretty Getting pretty weird here, but this is a vision. He's in a trance. And in this great sheet were, the next verse, all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Now, what's significant about this is that Peter was a Jew who followed the biblical laws about what to eat and what not to eat, what we would call kosher today, except the modern-day kosher laws are way past what God said in the Bible, and frankly, they're silly. But they're extra-biblical. But the basic kosher laws are in the Bible saying don't eat certain foods, don't eat certain animals. Well... This vision says there are all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth and beasts and creepy things. In verse 13, a voice comes to Peter in this trance and says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, wait a minute. Catch this. There's stuff on that sheet that's the tr that he sees in the trance, this gigantic thing that has all these animals on it. Some of these animals were unclean animals that Peter would never eat. And here's the voice saying to him in this trance, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Well, Peter's not real thrilled with that. Verse 14, Peter says, not so, Lord. Okay, get this. <laughs> right. Oh, no, Lord. Nope, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm a good Jew. I don't do that stuff. Right, so basically, I mean, that's what he says. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. What's he saying? I'm a good Jew. I follow the biblical kosher laws. And that wasn't the phrase he used, but that's what he was saying. I don't do that stuff. I'm good. I do what you told me to do. You told me not to do it, and so I'm not going to do it, even though you just told me to do it, I might add. All right. So he continues. The voice speaks to him again. And this is really amazing. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This is a concept that was foreign to Peter. 
because he was saying, I got, I got the Hebrew scriptures. I got Leviticus. I got that down. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm not supposed to do. And now you're, this, this isn't playing out for me. I don't get it. I don't get it. And God says to him, let me tell you what's right and wrong. I can do whatever I want. If I've taken something that was unclean and cleansed it, it's now okay. Praise the name of the Lord. Don't we all fall into that category? He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light that we can stand before God and worship as we did this morning. And incidentally, it was my son, but I can't not say it again. Wow. Worship. We really worship God here. Hallelujah. How can we stand before almighty God, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, and worship him because he cleansed us by the blood of Jesus? And so here, he's not talking about the, the blood of his son. He's talking about what God has cleansed. You must not call common. And then in verse 16, this was done three times. Okay, why was it done three times? Because Peter wasn't getting it. <laughs> He had to say it over and over and over. Okay, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, when, when, when we say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then he tells us, and we go, wow, that can't be God. <laughs> he, knows that, he knows I don't like mosquitoes. I'm not going there, right? into that country. No, no, yeah, that can't be God. And then he has to say it again and again until we finally get it. You're identifying with this, all right? So he did it three times before Peter finally got it. And now let's, uh, let, let's see how this plays out. That Peter doesn't know this, that the angel has spoken to Cornelius at some distance away, and Cornelius now sends his people for Peter. Peter, meanwhile, is having this trance and seeing what God's saying. So God arranges. He, he's got things working on Cornelius' end, and he's got things working on Peter's end. And so the, the guys from Cornelius, the Roman proselyte who loves the Lord but doesn't know about Jesus, incidentally, that's in the scripture here. Cornelius knows about Jewish stuff. He knows about the Most High God, but he doesn't know about his Savior. The angel has said to Cornelius, Go get Peter, he'll tell you. So Peter, meanwhile, is getting this trance. Rise, Peter, kill, eat. Now, this is about food. It's not about Cornelius. But don't call anything I've cleansed unclean, common. All right, so now the guys show up at Peter's door from Cornelius. They show up and they say, hey, uh, is Peter here? <laughs> yeah, and he's saying like, wow. Meanwhile, in the trance, he still gets... There's going to be people coming to get you. So God arranges it with Cornelius. God arranges it with Peter. Peter sees what God says, understands that there's going to be people coming to get him. The people show up to get him. He knows this is God. This is God. Okay, I got this. Now, in Acts chapter 24, the following day they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was waiting for them. Notice this, Cornelius was waiting. He was excited. I mean, an angel had said to him, go get Peter, he's gonna give you something really important. So Cornelius is really excited about it. Not only was he waiting for Peter to come, but the next part of that verse says, and had called together his relatives and his close friends. 
is like, guys, everybody, you got to c- come here. This is going to be big. We got something happening. The angel of the Lord told me this is going to be for real. So we know that Cornelius was a believer, and we know that his own household was probably a believers based believers in God, based on, on what we said here. But it says he also called his close friends together. We don't know that they were all believers in Almighty God. Maybe some of them were heathen. That's what a Gentile was in those days, one who believed in foreign gods. But he calls them together. So the whole family and friends are there together. And Peter shows up, and I want to show you this. This is so critically important. Peter is a Jew through and through. And as such, what God has told him to do, don't call anything common that I have cleansed, was against everything he believed in. He believed if I follow the law and I follow Jesus, I've got it. And they go together. The law and Jesus go together. And they do because Jesus said, I, I've come to fulfill the law. He perfected the law. But Peter, as a Jew, wouldn't even have dealings with Gentiles. Uh, when the, when the um, Samaritan woman in, uh, in the book of, of John encounters Jesus, she says, how is it, she's, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, how is it that you, being a Jew, would talk to me when Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Which is similar to saying, have no dealings with Gentiles, although the Samaritans were particularly hated by the Jews, in addition to not liking the Gentiles either. This was a big deal for a Jewish man to go to a Gentile. Even though he loved the Lord, he was still a Gentile. Well, watch this. Look how this is specifically played out in verse 28 of Acts chapter 10. Then he said to them, Peter says, as he comes to Cornelius' house, you know how, watch this word, unlawful. You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go into one of another nation. He's saying to Cornelius, you know what, Corny? I have no business coming into your home as a Jew if the rabbi find, if, if, if my messianic rabbis find out, they're going to be really upset with me because I'm not supposed to be here. You're a Gentile. I'm a Jew. I'm not supposed to come into your house. Nevertheless, hallelujah, God has shown me. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, the next line says, I came without objection. Okay. Even after he has the vision in the trance, even after he hears directly from God, don't worry about it. This is what I want you to do. And he does it. He's still second-guessing himself that he has to disclaim it when he walks into the door. Even though I'm not supposed to do this, it's unlawful for me as a Jew to do this. Even so, I got to do it. Why? Because the Spirit guided him. The Spirit guided him to do something he wasn't comfortable with doing. Not only comfortable, thought was wrong and was being shown, no, it's not wrong. There's another way to do this. God's way trumps your way. So, um, so finally, Peter starts, he goes in, and here's the family of Cornelius and his close friends, and Peter starts to give him the gospel. I mean, he, frankly, he's saying, okay, God sent me here, opens his mouth, the Holy Spirit moves, and he starts to speak 
the gospel truth. <laughs> and this is absolutely amazing. Um, oh, right, before he starts to speak the gospel truth, in verse 34, in, in Acts chapter 10, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. That's a big statement for this Jewish guy who thought Jesus was only for Jews. I mean, if I didn't make, mention that earlier, that's the emphasis. It wasn't only that Judaism was only for Jews, but they saw Jesus as the Jewish Messiah and thought he was exclusively for Jews. Gentiles, they got a problem. They're worshiping foreign gods. This, is, this was a Jewish, Jesus was a Jewish reality. Now Peter's saying, mm, I figured this out. God doesn't show partiality. You guys are Gentiles, but Jesus is for you too? And goes on to say in verse 35, but in every nation, in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, righteousness is accepted by him. And so now he starts to speak the gospel. And the amazing events are what, what happens in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking... In other words, he didn't even finish his sermon. In the middle of his message, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those, all those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were there. And there may have been some unsaved Gentiles there as well. Don't know that for sure, but it looks like there were. And the Holy Spirit fell on them too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In verse 45, and those of the circumcision, that means the Jews who were there with Peter. It says that several Jewish men went with him. So that Peter's entourage was all Jewish. Believing Jews and the, those of the circumcision who believed, that was the Messianic Jews who were with Peter, they were astonished. They were astonished. I'm telling you, they're going like, how can this be happening? They're Gentiles. They're not Jews. How can they be coming to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be touched by the Holy Spirit? And as Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the Gentiles also. It's like poured out on the Gentiles. Who knew? Who knew that Gentiles had an option to come into the kingdom of God through Jesus the Messiah? Because they thought this was exclusively for Jewish people and for Jewish people only. Well... Uh, it, it was real, friends. In verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. These Gentiles, former heathens, non-Jews, were now filled with the Holy Spirit and were speaking in other tongues, just like only the Jews had done prior to that time. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Well, so this is really amazing because let me make sure that we understand what happened here. God said to Peter, I'm paraphrasing all over the place. God said to Peter, I'm going to send you on an evangelistic mission. Peter said, I don't want to go. That's not my people. Remember, Peter is an apostle to the Jews. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So here's Peter being sent to the Gentiles, even though he was an apostle to the Jews. And remember, the angel of the Lord shows up, and the angel of the Lord to Cornelius could have said, 
I've sent my son, the Messiah. His name is Yeshua, and he's the one you need to believe in, and the Holy Spirit will bless you. But he didn't. He said, go get Peter, the Jewish guy, the apostle to the Jews. He's the one who's going to come and tell you what you need to hear. God did this on purpose. Why? He took Peter out of his comfort zone. He took Peter away from the things that he thought were right. He took Peter, and Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never done anything like that. I have not violated your law. And he took Peter and said, oh, yeah, I got a better way than what you think. Follow me. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And so it was that Peter said, okay, Lord, I will do it, even though I'm thinking, this can't be right, but if God says it, I got to do it. Hmm, if God says it, I got to do it. If God tells me, I got to do it. But, but, but those people aren't my people. But that, I'm not called to that ministry. But I'm not comfortable in that situation. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I love to use this simple example that I say, if, quoting from Isaiah, the typical Christian says, here I am, Lord, send me, but not to Africa. And I don't like Detroit. That's almost a guarantee God says, I'm sending you to Africa and Detroit. <laughs> so what do we get? Our comfort zone is not what God's looking for. Our yielded zone is what God's looking for. So let me just show you how this continues to play out. So the word comes up in Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles, in verse one, now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea, these are Messianic Jews, the Jewish apostles and the Jewish brethren who believed in Jesus and heard that Gentiles had also received the word of God. How did they take it? <laughs> and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. Let me tell you how they contended with him. They basically said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> You, a good Jewish boy who believes in the Jewish Messiah, and you went into Gentiles? Are you crazy? What are you? You're a, you're a disgrace to your people. Well, it says, and they, they said to him in verse 3, you went into uncircumcised men, Gentiles, and ate with them? My goodness, this is bizarre. What were you thinking? Well, then Peter starts explaining to them what happened, and I'm going to tell you, I know what it's like. As he was explaining to them, they weren't listening easily. They were yelling in his face while he was talking. How do I know that? Number one, I'm a Jew. All right. <laughs> Number two, the scriptures tell us that it says in verse 17, Acts eleven seventeen. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to contend with them, with, with God? Okay, so Peter, at the end of what he's saying, and they're all carrying on, because I'm going to show you that in a second. They're all carrying on, and he finally says, I understand where you're coming from. I'm paraphrasing. I understand where you're coming from, but who am I to contend with God when he told me to do it? Spirit gives life. How? That was life. I can't ignore that. And verse 18, it says, when they heard these things, they became silent. Notice the word became silent. They weren't silent up until that point. You get the point? 
They were yelling at him. They were going, I don't care what you say. They were Gentiles. They're no good. They're spiritually unclean. What kind of an apostle do you call yourself anyway? This is really crazy stuff. And when he finally finishes the, the point, they go, oh, oh, now I understand. And they became silent. Friends, I got to tell you something. The main purpose of our message today is to tell you that because the Spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing, God has a call on every single one of our lives, and sometimes it's to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes, I probably could say, and it usually, but it's to believe that what God wants you to do is not what you want to do, but what he wants you to do. Now, I want to praise God when it lines up that that's something I always wanted to do and God's called me to it. Okay. But I will tell you, I'm one of them. The day I stood in my living room 29 years ago and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, full-time traveling ministry, and I looked up at the ceiling because I had been praying, and I looked up at the ceiling and I said, me? Full-time ministry? <laughs> and what I was saying was, not so, Lord. <laughs> I've, I'm not, I'm, I'm a Jewish guy. I'm a broadcaster. I, this is not my life. But God told me, and I knew it was him. And I stepped out in the most amazing journey of my life, the single most powerful thing next to my salvation that ever happened to me was following God, the Spirit giving me life that I didn't know I had, to minister all over this country, to see Jewish people come to Jesus, to see Gentile people come to Jesus, to do things I never thought I could do, never thought I should have done, didn't want to do. But he called me out of my comfort zone. Had to hit me over the head with a two-by-four, spiritual two-by-four, just like he did with Peter. He had to really make the point with Peter. And so it is with us all. With us all. I'm not saying God wants to make you uncomfortable. He wants you to love him and to trust him and to believe that when you follow the Holy Spirit, you got life. When you follow your flesh, you got nothing. But when you follow the Holy Spirit, he will take you where you need to be. And I don't mean geographically necessarily, although that's part of it. It's a spiritual walk. So you're walking down the street and the Spirit of God moves on you to stop a person I never saw in your life and to say to them, how you doing? Or do you know Jesus loves you? And you're going, oh, I can't do that. Well, not so, Lord. God says, yepers, that's what I want. Get out of your comfort zone. Let your light so shine. Jesus specifically said, don't hide it. Let it shine. Well, I let it shine when it's appropriate. Excuse me? <laughs> like, you know when it's appropriate? We really should be the body of Messiah. We should be 100% people walking down streets, going into our offices at work, seeing people uh, at family get-togethers and smiling and saying, yep, I believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. And people, don't start that with me again. That's what I get from my family. Don't start that with me again. All right? They say, yes, I will. <laughs> and not be ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So 
what we, what we always say we want is what God wants for us. Can I get a witness on that? Do we not always say that? I just want the Lord's will in my life, but not to Africa. You know what, friends? God's got a better way. It may be the path you're already on. It may be that that path leads somewhere you don't expect it to lead. Better said, it may lead you to people God doesn't expect you, that you don't expect to be led to. You know what? I understand my calling, and I'm comfortable with it. That's good. But is there more to it? And you'll never know unless you let the Spirit of God move in your life. There's a lost and dying world out there, and we're the ones God wants to use to bring it back to life. And how does it get life? It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Hallelujah. You get anything out of this today? Is God good? Hallelujah. Give him glory. I'm just going to bless you with the ironic blessing like I always do. And then we'll have an opportunity. Uh, we'll have some anointed prayer warriors up here. Especially if you're in a situation where you're saying, I know I've said no to God. I won't admit it, but I know I did. I said, not so, Lord. Or, I can't do that, Lord. I mean, that's a cheap excuse, I'm telling you right now. God says, rise, Peter, kill, eat. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Cheap excuse. He wouldn't tell you unless he meant it. Unless it's, he's the way, the truth, and the life, friends, our Messiah. So if you are urged to prayer to deal with that issue in your life, to reach a lost and dying world, out of your comfort zone, in your comfort zone, but making sure it's the right one. We'll have prayer warriors up here, and I'll join them as well. We'll look to pray for you. But first, let me bless you with the word of God from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. So bow your heads and receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Friends, one last thing. To have the spirit that gives life so that the flesh will profit nothing because we get the spirit, you have to have Jesus first because the way to the spirit is Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. If you have never effectively believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you are here today, don't leave home without him. Don't leave church without him. Don't leave church without him. Don't leave here today without coming up and being among those who come for prayer to say, you know what? I don't have Jesus and I need him. And we'll pray with you to do that. Hallelujah. Otherwise, that our materials table's back there on the way out and you've been blessed, so shalom. <laughs>